Today, I would like to talk to you about our identity in Christ. One thing that I do a lot as Spear Centre Manager, I've been part of the team for four years now, is help people train for interviews. And the number one question that always tends to trip people up is the tell me about yourself kind of question. Why is it when we're asked that question, we freeze and we have a moment of panic and crisis and we can think, who am I? How do I answer that? What do I even say? Identity is a massive topic and there are so many things that play into how we see ourselves and who we are. You might answer a question like that by saying introvert, extrovert, parent, accountant, Christian, agnostic, I'm short, I'm tall. You might describe some characteristics like, oh, I'm friendly or kind. You might even think about your ethnicity. To set the scene for context, looking at the Colossians, the city itself had changed drastically and its identity had changed as a result of that. Once it was a really popular trade route, but its neighboring cities grew in power, so their power declined. After an earthquake, the geography um, and geology of, of the place changed, and the population and culture also changed once around 2,000 Jews settled amongst the natives that were there. So in Paul's day, Colossae was a city that was really diverse and where we found all these cultures mixing and coming together as well as different religions as well. And that reminds me of many cities and places around the world today. In the church, the Colossians were surrounded by false teachings too. They were a relatively small church and Paul is writing this apology, this defense of the faith in response to the things that they were hearing, mainly questions around theology um, and faith itself. And I really believe that their context mirrors our context and the world that we find ourselves in. Our world and our lives are constantly changing. We only need to look back at the past couple of years to see that. Countries will grow and decline in power. Wars start and finish. We migrate, we get jobs, we lose jobs. Our economy fluctuates. Cultures will grow and thrive or diminish. And new movements and beliefs and ways of living will start to emerge. Even fashion trends and music, all of these things bear weight on how we see ourselves and how we navigate the world that we live in. Sometimes these things can leave us physically displaced and in a completely different place, but also they can leave us internally displaced and grappling with who we are. And in life, we're confronted by that very thing every single day through what we do, what we say, and I believe that God today wants us to be able to move from an identity crisis to knowing our identity in Christ and how we can live that out. Because if we do not establish who we are and we don't live up to our true identities, the consequences can be really devastating. It can lead to ill mental health. It can lead to us being isolated. It can lead to us living a life that's full of shame and regret and also moving away from God. If any of us today find ourselves grappling with the world around us or struggling internally, then God is speaking to us. And firstly, what we need to do in order to be able to know who we are is look up. 
When we look at this passage, those first two verses say, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. When I was learning to drive, I noticed quite obviously that where you looked was where you would go. And actually, it wasn't obvious to me because even if my eyes went slightly to the left or to the right, I didn't realize that I'd start to veer off in that direction and my instructor would have to go for the wheel in order to correct me. And if I didn't look far enough ahead but I was looking too close, I was just missing hazards and I wasn't in the center of the road in the first place. And so often, that's what happens when we look at the world around us. We can be influenced and it can change our own journey and direction as well. We can imbibe what we see and without even knowing it. We can unconsciously conform to what is around us. And that can also rub off on us and leave a mark. We might notice that when we're around a certain group of people that are in a certain context, we start to act a tiny bit differently or speak a bit differently. I um, come from a Caribbean family, have an amazing cousin who's not a Christian, and she loves to swear all the time. And when I'm with her and she's swearing, sometimes I can start to become numb to it, and I find myself almost going to speak like she does and use those words. And even if we are at school or work, there might be gossip that goes around, and it's so easy for us to pick up that gossip as a habit without even realizing Because we're down here on earth, when we look out at the ground and earthly things, it can be so easy for us to just absorb it and to take it in and to consume it and therefore be influenced by it. But what Paul says here to do is to look up. Firstly, stop taking in what is down here in front of you and actively look away from it and put your eyes up towards the sky which will reset your focus anyway. But most importantly, when we look up, it's because that's where Jesus is. When we look up and we see Jesus, as it says here, seated at the right hand of God, what that means is that Jesus is equal to God. He has defeated death. He is on the throne. And we are so tied to Jesus. We are victorious with him. Our place is not here on earth, but it's up there in heaven. We are citizens of heaven, even though we are down here on earth. Therefore, it's not just looking up for any old reason that makes a difference, but it's because when we look up, we see where Jesus is, and that helps us to remember who we are. Back in 2020, when George Floyd was murdered, I had a real identity crisis. I'm only 25, and I don't use that word, those words lightly. There was this massive magnifying glass that was thrown on the issue of race all across the world, and I was confronted with the reality of being a brown, young, Christian woman in the 21st century. I was so aware of my skin color and the realization that the world, whether it knew it or not, treated me differently as a result of it. I was so heartbroken to the point where I was on the floor crying and I remember just hiding my hands, thinking and asking God, why have you made me like this? If this is how the world sees me, and if this is how people treat me, is this who I am? And in that moment of grappling, heartbreak, anger, confusion, feeling lost, I had a window in front of me, and I remember looking up and looking out of the window, staring up at the sky, and just hearing God say to me, mine, you are mine, 
and remember who I am. In that moment, I felt this peace wash over me and it clicked into place, that missing piece of me that was just feeling empty. I was God's and I knew who he was. I wasn't insignificant or timid or angry. I was his and he was mine. And I moved away from an identity crisis to knowing who I was in Christ. Once we look up and we see Jesus, something amazing happens. This transformation takes place, like for me in that moment. And the old is taken away. And as we continue, we look at verse 5. It says, put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. And it says to take off the old and to put on the new. I've heard at church recently that there have been a couple of football analogies. And I don't know much about football, so I'm actually going to talk about clothes instead. Um, so stay with me. We all wear clothes. It's not a gender stereotype at all. Um, life with Jesus is the birthplace of our true new identity and self, which is continuously being renewed by him every single minute, every single second, every day. Once we've set our minds on him, we're able to identify who we are and who we are not. And we also inherit the Holy Spirit who helps us to be able to discern what is of God and what isn't. We are able to step away from the old and embrace the new. And in this passage, these words like take off, put off, they're actually related to garments when you translate the Greek. And um, what I want us to think about is, would you ever wear a really tight, itchy sweater? Would you willingly keep it on all day, even though it was a bit uncomfortable? It probably doesn't look too great, but it's making you feel really rubbish. That's what it's like with these things mentioned, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from our lips. When we lie, when we speak harshly, when we seek revenge or even delight in someone else's misfortunes, it's like slipping back on a really uncomfortable piece of clothing that's ill-fitting and doesn't make us feel great. And actually, when we wear it, it will probably rub and leave a bit of a nasty rash later. So it has this impacting, it has this long impact on us as well. Our old self probably would have been comfortable wearing these earthly garments and maybe wouldn't have even noticed that they were itching or too tight. But having been made new, we recognize the difference. And sometimes we are drawn in to put these things on or we slip them back on without even realizing because of stress or a toxic workplace or peer pressure or because we just forget who we are when we're constantly consumed and looking at what's in front of us. I have let a scarf of anger creep its way around my neck recently. It's red, it's really itchy, it's probably a nasty man-made material and it leaves a rash at the end of the day. And only once I noticed that I've had that scarf on, probably when I send someone a snarky WhatsApp, um, or when it's, yeah, late in the evening, do I think, oh, that doesn't feel good, and I think I need to take that off. It's the same for us. It's not who I am, and it's definitely not who Jesus is. So what I have to do in that moment is put to death, is take off and get rid of and repent 
and come back to Jesus looking up and remembering who I am, I then need to clothe myself brand new. In verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other, forgive one another, and if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them all in perfect unity. I'm going to talk about clothes. And in Matthew, it says, do not worry about um, what you will eat, drink, or wear. So this is not me advocating for materialism at all. But our clothes can convey so much about who we are. Cuts and fabrics can make us feel empowered. Colors and prints can convey culture. Logos give us a sense of status. Um, Colors can help us with expression. And it's the same with these things that we see in verse 12. These items of clothing that we put on in this passage are key to identity because they are all part of Jesus's attitude and actions. They're not just nice words that are good for the world and will make us feel better about ourselves. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience are the lived out characteristics of God in Christ. Christ is merciful. He is kind. He's humble. He's meek. He's long-suffering. It's how we are to behave to each other in community and beyond because of Jesus. And this is what makes us unique. I am going to give you a football analogy. I know I said I wasn't. Um, One of the Bible app devotionals that I looked at last week, actually coincidentally, um, it was the same. It was Colossians 3. The speaker said that we are on God's team and we wear his kit. Like people wear uniform to work or a certain kind of um, clothes that helps them get a job done. We wear God's kit. And the kit are these things that we see in verse 12. Imagine Chelsea wearing Arsenal kit. Oh, I know. It doesn't sound right, right? I would be confused, firstly, because I know nothing, and I think, why have they not got the right kit on? But also for the players themselves, I don't even think they do it. They say, I'm not that team. That's not who I am. Those, those, that just doesn't reflect me. And in the same way, we are part of God's team, so we need to wear the right kit. With our new identity in Christ and being on God's team, it means that actually we are one with him, We are victorious with him. But despite wearing the same kit, we are all uniquely different. Continuing on, another key element that helps us to remember who we are is also being in community. I love that this passage, what Paul is doing, even though he's in prison and he's writing to them, is he's literally saying to them, I hear and I see what's going on. And I'm going to encourage you and I'm going to challenge you and speak into your situation lovingly. It says to forgive one another just as God has forgiven us. And I know that this can be a really hard concept. The only person whose forgiveness holds power over another person is God himself. But when we choose to forgive, we choose to embody the fruit of the Spirit And to allow ourselves to move forward healthily. 
And also, when we, as it says in these later verses, in verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among us richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. When we come together, that is where the power of Jesus is too. We can encourage each other and challenge each other. We can mirror to each other what it looks like to live these characteristics out. It's like inheriting um, some, a piece of clothing from God and being able to put it on and also being able um, to be part of the same team and all come together and be united. As we come into land and as the band come up, I just want to focus on verse 11 because regardless of who you have been, who you've walked in as through the door today, what matters most importantly is now. It's being here with Jesus and looking up and recognizing him. I love that verse that says in verse 14, and over all of these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. The kit, the outfit is not complete without love on top bringing them all together. And as one writer says, it's the uniting force of love that holds all these virtues in place, giving them context and meaning because God is love. And his love is for us and nothing can separate us from it. In verse 11, where it says Christ is all and is in all, you can be anyone, any age, stage or status in life. Jesus transforms and takes the old and makes it new. He takes death and makes it life. He can take whatever is going on in your life right now and change it. It doesn't matter who you were before. If you've disqualified yourself, if you've fallen short, if you don't even know who you are, if you've been wearing some ill-fitting spiritual clothes lately, then Take them off. And if you don't have the strength to take them off yourself, then ask God to do it for you. You are not alone and Jesus is here. So as we come into land, I'm just going to pray a prayer. Um, and I want us to stand and just take this opportunity to invite God to come and meet with us or to bring things to the forefront of our mind that we need him to take away to come and make us anew.